Bhikkhus, the lazy person dwells in suffering, soiled by evil unwholesome states, and great is the personal good that he neglects. The energetic person, though, dwells happily, well withdrawn from unwholesome states, and great is the personal good that he achieves. Bhikkhus, it is not by lower means that the Supreme is attained, but Bhikkhus, it is by the Supreme that the Supreme is attained. Bhikkhus, this holy life is like the cream of the milk. The teacher is present. Therefore, arouse your energy thus, for the attainment of the as yet unattained, for the achievement of the as yet achieved, for the realization of the as yet unrealized. Thinking, in such a way, our going forth will not be barren, but will become fruitful and fertile. And all our use of robes, alms food, lodgings, and medicinal requisites given by others for our support will reward them with great fruit and great benefit. Bhikkhus, you should train yourselves thus. Considering your own good, it is enough to strive for the goal without negligence. Bhikkhus, considering the good of others, it is enough to strive for the goal without negligence. Bhikkhus, considering the good of both, it is enough to strive for the goal without negligence. So today is September 17th, 2020. And only 15 more nights until we reach the end of our rains retreat. So this is a special opportunity to practice. We have the chance tonight to dedicate ourselves to developing and raising the heart and mind. This doesn't come easily and we have to put forth effort to patiently endure through hardship and difficulty. This is what we've developed the whole rains retreat. And during this final period, we cannot let go of this quality of patient endurance, but should use it to finish our determinations and practices that we've taken on for the Vasa, the rains retreat, with continuity and diligent, diligence. For example, we should not stop alms round, not stop going on bindabat. Other korwat, which we've taken on, or dutanga practices, such as eating in only one sitting every day, we should also determine to finish until the end of the vasa with continuity and determination. In the case of the single sitting, we determined to eat all of our food for the day in one sitting. And upon standing from that session, we don't take anything more. We're finished. 
Similarly, if we've determined to eat only what we have received in our bowls on alms round, then even if after the monastery receives special food of some kind, we patiently endure and refrain from partaking of what the community has received. Just what we get on Bindabat, whether it is a little or a lot, is enough. And in this contemplation and this practice, we develop a sense of gratitude and satisfaction with what we have. The practice of eating just what we have gotten on Bindabat features other benefits as well. One gains more time to meditate because one does not have to go through the line for food. And similarly, in meditation, the mind is less inclined to chase after fantasies of various flavors and special foods which it might crave we develop a sense of contentment with what food we've received on our alms round. Another Dutanga practice of a special relevance today, which is the Wanpra or Oposita day, before the Bhavarana day, or the day of invitation at the end of the rains retreat, is that of Nesachik or the sitter's practice, in which one determines to not lie down for a period of time, in this case, for the entire night. This practice is a way of developing effort. And the Buddha was one who set an example of such unrelenting effort in his practice. He was singular in this universe, in his ability to put forth great effort in the pursuit of his goal. And we should take his encouragement and his example to heart. A bhikkhu is one who sees the dangers in samsara, in this endless cycle of rebirths. And such a vision can serve as motivation in our practice. When we take such motivation to heart, and dedicate ourselves to this practice, then the benefit that accrues is great for both ourselves and for others, for both, as it says in the chant. What requisites the monastics have received from the laity, they are using in the service of this practice for liberation. And so the laity receive great benefit and merit from their dedication. Similarly, their practice benefits them. The monk's practice benefits them because they are moving and bringing their hearts closer to realization. Both gain from this situation and this relationship. Because the lay people offer the essentials of life to the monastic community, then the monks don't have to use energy looking for those requisites and can dedicate themselves completely to 
the practice of meditation, which is their profession. So this being our profession, we should take it as a special practice tonight to not lie down, to develop and undertake the sitter's practice. It's Wanpra, the Uposa today, and the one even more so right before the end of the rains retreat. We should spend the night sitting in meditation, walking meditation. Even if we are extremely tired, we can keep this practice simply perhaps leaning on a wall for a time until we've rested enough to continue. This is better than full, fully lying down as that usually leads to one sleeping for a long time. We keep the sitter's practice as best we're able. If we dedicate ourselves to this practice, we may find that during certain sessions, we enter a state of calm and the mind emerges rested and refreshed. This is the result of our effort. Similarly, we may work to stay awake and engaged through the night by memorizing some Dhamma text or chant. For example, the Padimoka, the monastic rule, or perhaps study some Pali language. And this means of putting forth effort allows one to continue throughout even the late hours of the evening. However, more important than practice of such a formal nature is the study, or more important than study of this nature is the formal practice, excuse me, of meditation. And once we have learned and understood intellectually some of the basics of the, what the scholarship provides through such memorization, then it's important to once again turn our minds and intentions towards developing the formal practice of meditation in the heart. So this is what the Nesachik, the sitter's practice, is all about. We come back to the formal meditation. We sit and walk. And in doing so together, we support one another. Everyone sees everyone else staying up all night and putting forth effort. And such a vision, such harmony, helps everyone feel supported in this practice. At Wapapong, this is what it was like. Everyone was sitting together. The monks would all sit and many would not stand because they saw the other monks also continuing to maintain the sitting posture. Similarly, they would see the sala full of laity also sitting, sometimes up to a hundred. And this vision 
would give both parties great motivation and inspiration to continue to practice throughout the night. Longpur recalls an instance when he and Ajahn Sumchai were walking to uh, Tudong, uh, the traditional wandering practice of the monks, and had walked all day when at 7 p.m. they arrived at a monastery, a branch of the Ajahn Cha tradition and a practice monastery. It was 7 p.m. and they'd been walking for hours, were extremely tired, and yet they knew the monastery would be staying up all night practicing together. And so, rather than rest, Longpur shaved his head and bathed and then joined the community to sit until 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. when everyone chanted together. And this is a patient endurance which is of great benefit developing the practice. Whether we grow calm or not, we continue to sit. We stay up all night. And whether we achieve a state of samadhi is not for sure. Sometimes out of nowhere, we find the mind gathering and it gains strength enough to glimpse for a second a vision of truth and realization. Perhaps it sees the body as simply a puppet. Perhaps the mind, the chitta, grows quiet. So all of this comes from effort. And putting forth such effort is not beyond us. It's something we all have in us. We can recollect that, for example, one stranded in the forest or a mountain might not sleep for a full three days and three nights because they are in danger and be able to do this. Or perhaps one who had endured a shipwreck and found himself clinging to a piece of debris would despite being exposed to the sun all day as they floated in the ocean, be able to maintain wakefulness for at the least three days and three nights and possibly longer, knowing that if they fell asleep even briefly, they might lose their grip on the one piece of wood keeping them afloat and perish. In such extreme situations, one can maintain wakefulness for long periods. And so one day and one night, tonight, is not beyond us. We can do it. Furthermore, to do so represents a great offering to the Buddha. Our practice is the greatest thing we can give. And what effort we apply will move towards Success will bring us closer to the goal. If we are drilling for water, then if we continue to drill, eventually we will reach water. If we are trying to start a fire, if we continue to rub the appropriate sticks together, 
heat will accumulate and fire will grow eventually. It simply depends on our continuity and diligence and effort. If we are sincere, we can do it. Usually we don't sleep much. Tonight we just give up what little sleep we are used to, and this is not beyond us. So, everyone present who does not have a strong or difficult problem with their body, who does not have a illness, should put forth effort this evening and take on the sitter's practice, staying together, supporting one another in meditation throughout the night. If we do this, if we put forth such effort, we may come closer to understanding Dhamma. Perhaps at 1 a.m. or 2 a.m., suddenly the mind will grow bright and it will see truth. We can go without sleeping. We can support one another in the practice. And tonight, this community can come together and offer their sincerity to the Triple Gem through this means.